Twas brillig in the slithy toves, did gyre and jimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and, and the, the momraths outgrave. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outpost Podcast. We're live from the barn. Let's get in on this. I guess we're not really live. I mean, we are alive in the barn, but we're alive in the barn. We're alive in the barn. Lacey. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of animals. Yeah, a bunch of animals. Get in the barn. We've got Lacey here today. We've got. Tom. <laughs> I did a really emphatic point towards Derek. I so that and I, watched, I like you threw it at me and I stepped like right off to the side and just went, whoa. I tried to save you. I, I just yelled my name. <laughs> did that help? It helped. Yeah. Okay, good. Fine. I'm going to introduce you. Derek is here and Mark's in the house. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So today on the Outpost podcast, we've got a wonderful episode planned for you today. Mm-hmm. Step one of this wonderful episode is looking forward a few months into the future. There is something very special happening in a few months. And it is... Dun, 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 dun. The space Gen Con! <laughs> Did it. Okay, I've right. never been, and I'm these handoffs are always harder than they should. <laughs> I just expect that you guys know where I'm going the mo- the majority of the time. I was on the same page as you. I don't know about Tom. I though. tried the emphatic yeah, I, point well, again. I mean, you blew it on your names. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you're going to Gen Con this year. Oh, that's all of us. That's 100% okay, percent turnout. Um, job, raise your guys. hand if you've ever gone to Gen Con before. Ooh. Only, yeah. only Mark and I. I've not been. Nice. No. Okay. Con rookies. So, Mark, I, I know this is hard for you. Whenever I ask you for truncated answers, you don't like to do it. Can you explain Gen Con in two sentences? Yes. One, there's your first sentence. That wasn't... Okay, so sentence I did two. what you asked me to do. Okay, sentence two, explain Gen Con. Explain Gen Con in two sentences? Done. Yes. That's a question. I failed already. Okay, Tom, explain what Gen Con is in two sentences. I haven't been. But what, <laughs> but what it, you know what it is. We're not going to let her win. Gen Con is the marquee event for board gaming and everything awesome in board gaming. In North America. In North America. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the biggest board game event in North America. Okay. Yes. I like there. calling it it's the marquee It's in Indianapolis, event. Indiana. Every summer, usually at the end of July, early August. Was it two years ago, Mark, that we had a small (laughs) booth there? We kind of shared a table. Was that two years ago or was that last year? Is that when you just like showed up with a chair at Game Tray's booth and you were like, can we we, No, that was the year before (laughs) we showed up at somebody else's booth and squatted there. (laughs) Last year you squatted with Noah. I did. So this yeah. is our very first year to have our own booth. You squat in our own booth. We're <laughs> I like this. I'm We're excited. going for it. We There's got a cool a booth. Give a sneak peek of what the design of the booth is. Okay. Well, when Mark says we're going for it, he, he meant to say that in in a excited and scared over the top. <laughs> oh my gosh, we are going for it with Gen Con. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by that? 
we have gone for it. We we are having industry professionals help us design an incredible booth experience. Mm-hmm. We are swinging for the fences with with the design of the space, what we're doing in it, how we're using it. I'm paying um, for four people to be there full time for the, a week. That's yeah, the, that's the like okay. part that I was dancing on. around. Got it. Yeah. So like it's it. it's it's an investment. It's going to be a big investment a for us, investment. and we're really yeah. hoping that it pays off well. Please attend. <laughs> yeah, we are, are going to have a really cool experience. There's going to be a unique coupon in the Gen Con coupon book that will this. drive you to the booth. Coupon. Yeah, it's coupon. It's coupon. No, it's not. Yeah. C-U-E it's the one we're doing is it's cute. It's a it's a cute Ooh, coupon. I'll accept it's that. Coupon. coupon. It's a coupon. coupon. Yeah, coupon. that's it's exactly co- right. It's a coupon. <laughs> it's a coupon. It's a coupon. Yeah, exactly. A coupon. Okay. Oh, you. Okay, so we're going to have a coupon in the book. (laughs) We've got a beautiful looking booth that's going to be there. We're going to have vindication available for sale. We will have merch available for sale t shirts, pins, stickers, and other cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And free looks at Derek's face. Lots of new Which is going to be right. That's right. D Lock is going to be in the house all week. Uh If you Mm -hmm. want to meet him and come, he'll have a kissing booth on one side. Uh um, And for $2, (laughs) Uh you can get a cheek kiss for $5, a $4. Forehead kiss for $10. Yeah. And well, and then we're doing a bundle too. <laughs> That's right. You buy Vindication. Yeah, if you buy Vindication, you, you get all want. four. <laughs> What's the fourth? I don't know. Find <laughs> out when you buy Mystery Grab Bag of Kisses. At Gen Con 2019. <laughs> Derek's Mystery Grab Bag. So, <laughs> so, a couple of the fun things that we're going to be doing there. We are planning to try to interview as many industry leaders as possible. And we are coming up with really interesting questions. So we are not going to be coming up with content that is like everything else you're hearing. We will not be talking about anybody's projects. We will not be talking about Gen Con. We won't even really be talking about board games. We're going to be talking about creativity. We're going to be talking about personality. We're going to be talking about lifestyle. And I plan to challenge every single one to rock, paper, scissors. Hmm. Yeah, Lacey's very good at rock, paper, scissors. It's true. So They're going down. Win. Whoever they are, Ready? get on your rock, game. Rock, paper, scissors. You got to do it oh, on shoot. Oh, Ready? Shoot. Okay. She's okay. already in your Ready? head. Ready? Go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, okay. she's two so good, Two out of three. Good, two huh? out of three. Two hustle, out of three. Bro. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh. Shoot. <laughs> I lost. Maybe I Derek will lose won. them all. We'll see. Dang it, Derek. <laughs> no, my confidence is crushed. We keep going to rock. That's a weakness. Look at you already. Okay, so that's one part of it. We will have Derek there doing some of the, the demo of vindication as people are coming up to learn about vindication. But we will also be demoing. Space, 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 game, 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 game. Sounds really exciting, doesn't it? Okay, so I want to get, I want to get a comprehensive update on space game. People have been begging us, begging us, begging us for some space game updates. What are you going to give us? Let's be very clear about this. At Gen Con, if you come to our booth, you may check out a copy of the space game, take it away, go somewhere else, and play it. Yep. So. Find us. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. going to be demoing the space game, and it is deep, deep, deep into development. We're in the final stages now, and heavy, heavy, heavy playtesting now from between now and Gen Con. Yeah, we've gone pretty pretty far <clears throat> into this and come full circle in some of the concepts. It's like we've gone so far 
down the development cycle that we're running into themes that we started with and we're going in circles. And so that's usually a good point at, at which we get to eliminate possibilities and solidify other possibilities. And so, yeah, we're finding there are a lot of things that we tried to add in early on because it felt like the game wanted them, but then it's just too complicated or too much or too clunky and we take them out. And then as we chisel the game and refine it more and more, all of a sudden those things just present themselves as the obvious solution to something else we're solving in a mm -hmm. much cleaner, better way. And so stuff is meant to be there and is finding its way back in, but the execution is way cleaner. We don't have a name for the game. I know that's it's begging for that, and we're really – all of our conversations kind of around that right now. We have all the core base mechanics dialed. I think they're they're not – perfected but they're they're pretty I feel like they're pretty dialed in. I have a kind of probing question for the two of you. Uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> it might it might be actually a little bit uncomfortable. So I, but I'm going to ask it uncomfortable anyway. Uncomfortable probing. Um Ahoy. Mark, you, you know, were the primary main 98% of vindication design and development happened in your brain alone. How different is it to be co-creating with Tom? You know, what parts of that are easier? What parts are harder? I, I would say with Vindication, I designed the game, but I could not have done that without all the playtesting mm -hmm. and, the, and the people close to me who played it 20, 30, 40 times. So I don't feel like I made all the decisions with design because okay. a, a good game has to be playtested and those decisions come out of testing. Oh. That being said, I did make all of the calls. Yeah, you were the, the ultimate decision maker yeah. and it didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Tom is making a lot of the calls here and is co-designing this game with me. I did start the process, but Tom, it has changed so many times that Tom and I are basically co-designing this game. Mm -hmm. It is very different and it is extremely valuable to have somebody else designing a game with you because all we do is fight. And what comes out of it is something that is really well thought out and has been sharpened. You know, we sharpen each other with these ideas and we challenge each other. It's like, well, so really all we're going to do is this and it's just going to do that. Are you sure that's what we want? And then the answer <laughs> is, well, no. Okay, I didn't see it from that perspective. It's surprising to me that more of the industry isn't co-designed teams. You know, you see it here and there. And I think a lot of the time what you end up having is a co-designed team where the co-designer is listed as a developer somewhere buried in the bottom of the rule book and are getting a real short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know how you could do this process on your own and come out with something that's anywhere near as good as you do with two people. What Mark just said about fighting is absolutely true. You would think like we're gonna sit down and just be excited together and come up with a game together, but what it really comes down to is one person's excited about something and the other person says no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, back and exactly. forth, back and forth ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. And if you're by yourself, you get excited about an idea and then you chase it down a rabbit hole and you spend a couple of days refining it and trying it and doing all these different things. But when we're together, the other person's just like, no, I hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't work for this reason or it breaks this for me or I don't think that this experience that you're not thinking of isn't right. going to work. And But then when we agree, it's a huge victory. Right, and we, we know, know we have something exactly. solid and foundational from the experience standpoint, and we fight for experience, right? We fight for what is fun. We fight for what is unique. And will people really enjoy the feeling of doing that? And is it going to feel good to do that? And is that going to be rewarding? And so the things we fight about is like, that seems boring. Like, I'm going to tear down your idea, not for the purpose of tearing you down, but for the purpose of making that idea stronger, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's throw things at it to see how strong that is. 
And if you're not willing to go into the arena and do that with a game, and quite honestly, my guess is that most games have a lot of co-designers that are just not having their names on the yeah, box. I think that's what Tom was saying. And I know that the bigger companies have teams and they get the luxury of kind of, you know, there's six people and it was led by this guy or this gal and they made the game. That's you know, they get the credit. And I think that's fine because they did most of the work or they they called the or, shots. Or they started it and they did the first 60% mm -hmm. or... But no good game out there, I think, really is designed in a, in a vacuum in someone's office, right? Like with one person making all those decisions. And, and I would say the same with Vindication, even though I called all the shots. I mean, the games that I came up with by myself were so bad and so broken. It's like it took a lot of work to get through that. When you have a design partner you get through those things so much faster. You just keep pushing because every time someone thinks like we're there, the other person is like, well, what about if we did this? Mm -hmm. And then you iterate again and then you iterate again. And then at that point you've broken four things. And so then you have to clean it up with more iterations. And I think we have had a dozen versions of this game that we could have said done. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Let's get some art. You know, this is because it's been a workable game for a long time, but it's not the game that we know it can be, and we're just pushing it further and further and further. And I think by yourself, it's easier to get tired and just sort of say, like, this is good enough. Mm -hmm. Some people would have shipped this game by now, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, there's no question, because I think it's strong enough as it is, and uh, probably two months ago was strong enough to be, I think, solid. Or to make a splash, even. Mm -hmm. But, it but just... we don't want to make a splash. We want to make a unique experience that people talk about and no matter how good this game is, it still won't be for everybody. But the people that do want it, I want them to just be like, this is so different. It's so unique. And I think there's one aspect of this that is going to be that way. I'm just not quite ready to, to reveal the main thing about this game that affects its replayability. I keep winking at Tom, but he's looking at <laughs> the carpet and it's okay. <clears throat> the game board is an Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> you do your Etch-A-Sketch and then you shake it every time. Is that... Is yes. that what it is? Yeah, you shake it every time, but not with the yes sketch. Shake, 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 shake it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. One thing that I just wanted to mention is that as a um, co-worker, <laughs> I, I really am impressed by the two of your ability to take things to the mattresses. Is that... To the, to, the mat. to the mat. Okay. Mattress. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. That's a that's a godfather quote that is not being used right. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay. So the point is you guys I, I think are very good at inviting conflict, healthy conflict, and not being mad at each other. I don't I, I don't know what we're fighting for what we both believe mm -hmm. and with each other, not against each other. But yeah, we do, we do challenge each other, but it's in a very non-personal way. It's like we're fighting for ourselves. Well, you're good at that. And sometimes it's hard for people to not take things personally, and I, I really admire the way that you guys can go through that. We're very demanding, I mean, of each other and mm -hmm. ourselves, and we hold each other to a very high standard, and I think it shows. And this is no different. I mean, I'll tell you, with what we've learned about the industry and taking products to market, we could be knocking games out much quicker. I know that. I see other companies doing that. It makes me not enthused to watch other companies knocking projects out and they're just not great, mm -hmm. right? Like their their fan base or their community gets excited and then they have an experience that's so-so. I would rather have a lot fewer projects and a lot fewer products that people are like, this is, they really put a lot of thought into it. It might not be perfect for everybody, 
But I will tell you this, it's going to be perfect for us. Like we're going to build things that we love. Yeah, it's and, way more satisfying for us. Oh, yeah. Every one of these is like a child. We're caretaking. It's not like, listen, it can't be like a child because at times you have to cut pieces off of your game. I thought you were going to say child. And I was like, what? But this, that's, that's the point. Oh, okay. You're, I think projects, they're not like <laughs> children. They're more like crops. You can't chop an arm. I'm too far. That's, that's too far. That's fair. Wheat, wheat and chaff and the farm. Yeah. <laughs> stick, with the, stick with the farm, the farm analogy. But, yeah, I mean, to Mark's point, I think it's it's more interesting for us to take longer and put out games that are more refined and products in general that are more refined. Honestly, it's just better business. You know, I, there are a lot of companies that I really like that I can't just purchase every game that they make because not all of them are quite as developed as mm-hmm. as some of the real winners. Mm-hmm. And I want ours to feel every time like we poured our heart and soul into it. And even if we didn't achieve all the crazy things we were trying to do, we tried to do something crazy and we tried with all our heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want it to feel that way and I want people to feel that so that if nothing else, they want to try our products just to see what did they swing mm-hmm. for this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Ooh, a I like great that. point. I feel like I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. The one that I just I, let got there. Just go there. Finally. It took us okay. 20 minutes. <laughs> Get it out of the bag. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to share every detail of it, but this game is a deep space exploration game. It is cooperative, what we like to say collaborative. And you will essentially land on a planet or something else similar to a planet. Some sort of planetary body. And you will work together in a very deep science-focused environment to fulfill whatever the objectives are. You're going to work together. You're going to build trust as a team, which is going to be something that's measured. And you're going to play the entire game with a certain set of parameters and rules and cool things that you can do. And there's tableau building and then there's action selection and there's these different types of things. You're going to be able to do that probably in an hour. And then you're going to be able to say, Hey, do you want to play this game again? Yes, but let's go to a completely different planet with different environmental conditions and different objectives and different opportunities that you can take advantage of and different things that you can use your scientific expertise to do and have a completely different experience based on the environment of that planet. Mm -hmm. And we are going to release a lot of planets. Mm -hmm. So every time you play this game, you can go to a different planet and you will encounter different types of things, different environments, different types of life forms. There are no guns. There's no combat. There's nothing like that, but there are very real threats and they are an environment. They are life forms and sometimes they are each other you're going to have the opportunity to play it somewhere else. It is not a campaign. They are individuals. However, we think that the more you play it, it could feel like a campaign without having to feel like you have to progress in the campaign. You're going to be able to pick this game up, play it three times, and maybe you never play it again, but you can play it on three different planets. You can play it on two of the same planet in in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's important to us that you can play the same planet over and over again and still have a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right now, the idea is for each planet to have its own tuck box, and you take everything out and you discover this new planet. We've tried really hard to design lots of systems where they are really flexible systems to where on this planet, this mechanic that you're used to 
functions completely differently because this planet has this environmental condition. Mm -hmm. The mechanic is the same, right? but the output is different and the experience is different. Right. And so I'll let one more cat out of the bag. So like, you're going to be able to go down onto a planet. Yeah. Well, you're going to, you're going to be pursuing formal sciences, applied sciences and natural sciences on these planets. Right. And you're going to gain expertise in these six different kind of subsets of science. One of them will allow you to to do chemistry or biochemistry, and you're going to be able to make concoctions based on what's on that planet. And there's a lot of variability to how you level up your chemistry. But if you go to a different planet, there's completely different things there. You're going to take that same mechanic, but you're going to make completely different concoctions on that planet that will allow you to do other things on that mm-hmm. planet that are not similar to what you did on this other planet. So if you have a planet that's all sand, it's different than the one where the gravity is reversed. Mm-hmm. And the other one where you're on this asteroid where it's all everything's volcanic and it's going to be very, very unique each time. You have a robot. Oh man, I don't even want to go there. I love the robot. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. All right, please well, sub- since we're just doing it, robot names. We're letting all the cats out now. So mew, mew, mew. the cool <laughs> thing, so as a collaborative game, the group is able to program and command the robot, which will have its own turn, but the group is responsible for doing that. The robot has a personality and the robot does what the group wants, but the group members are going to probably be fighting over what the robot does and then who's programming when and who has what programming expertise. So if you pursue robotics, you're going to be able to have more influence over the robot. But if you pursue engineering, you're going to be able to build better technology. And if you pursue chemistry, you know, so there's all these different things that you can do. All the while, threats and opportunities are happening on the planet that you have to pursue within, you know, the boundaries and, and constraints of time. Yeah, there's, there's a time also mechanic. chronology that you can ex- you explore controlling time, go backwards in time. So yeah, it sounds like a lot. While but- we're dancing around the main mechanic, it, it's, it sounds like the kitchen sink because we're not kind of explaining the thing that ties it all together. But just trust us, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the experience we want you to have on the planets is that the environmental conditions are very different. That ex- changes the way that the game plays. You know, we, we want the maps to feel small and deep, really interesting. You have a deep relationship with what's going on. You know, maybe this planet, yeah, the gravity is reversed. How does that affect every other piece of the game? You know, this one's all portholes. This, this one's all dust storms. And there are many, we don't call them events, but events will be the word that triggers in people's minds. Mm-hmm. As to, you know, so the, the conditions on the map change. You know, now all of a sudden something is happening on this corner of the map where you were trying to complete an objective. And if you go over there, this will happen. So can you work around over here? No, you can't because there was an event over there that's causing this to happen. And you have to work together, but you also have to work independently. So you're toggling the difference between working in a group and working independently, basically being near each other or dividing and conquering is going to create a lot of tension And every time you do something that benefits the team, the trust level goes up. Every time you don't take advantage of everything that you could, the trust level goes down. It's just very intense. There are mechanics in the game where you actually have to work together to achieve something. Use your pieces with someone else's pieces to do a thing, Mm -hmm. which is something that I've always felt was missing from a lot of cooperative games where everyone is an independent player working toward the same goal but you're not actually interacting with each other right? without revealing more. 
That's about that was as much great. as we... Thank that's you. That's I'm quite so a bit, glad. Actually. I'm glad you let the cats out of the bag because people have been waiting for some details. So hopefully this will pique interest Lesson in conversation. Lesson learned. The Outpost Podcast. Tell your friends. Yeah. That's the place for the sneak peeks. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've been holding up images and illustrations and maps and stuff the whole time. So, <laughs> so, so Sorry about that. But. Let's move to a community question, Tom. You got a couple community questions? Because we love to answer questions from the community. It's time for mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm just going to ask one today because that was a deeper dive on that than I think we thought we would take. How do you structure and prepare the podcast? I love the format and I love the interaction between the team. What kind of prep work do you do? And do you intentionally do it the same way every time? Okay. First of all, like any project that Blue Blazes Orange Nebula takes on, we started the podcast project with a really super clear why, creating a purpose for the podcast, getting clear on the values that we were trying to get across in the podcast, which would drive the rest of the content building, right? Mm -hmm. So once we got clear on the purpose and the values, then we just came up with, okay, well, what do we actually want to be talking about and we do it pretty loosely right so we've usually got updates at the beginning some Mm -hmm. community questions and then a a main topic sometimes those main topics are chosen weeks in advance sometimes those main topics are chosen day of tom and i are often discussing topic ideas before anybody else gets let in on it mark doesn't like to know the the topic ideas ahead of time. He nope. thinks it makes it hard for him to communicate naturally. I like to have a little bit of thought and preparation in mind just because it helps me communicate a little bit more intelligently, but I guess he's just intelligent on his own. Yeah. I don't want to know what's coming and have a prepared answer. Mm-hmm. I want you to just feel the truth as it comes out of me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I'm weird that way. Sometimes if I know what we're going to talk about, I will talk about that with Mark from a different angle, mm. kind of plant, let, let him start quietly thinking about things without uh-huh. actually thinking about things. Uh-huh. That's just my, my you inception playing mind games you. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> you playing mind games, son? Dang. That's a good idea. I see how this is. In retrospect, yeah, I can feel that now. Okay. Did I answer that pretty well? Do you guys have any other thoughts on that? Um, no, I mean, there's there's a loose structure, you mm-hmm. know, to answer the question. And, and our values and our, our purpose and our why is to inspire people to think bigger. We, we just try to be as natural as possible and touch on lightly on things in the industry, but really broadly, broad strokes, it's creativity and pursuing passion and making things worth making and doing them right, right? Executing well and listening and being part of community, like those things broadly are, are what we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And having fun. Mm-hmm. Fun? Fun, yeah. Oh, is this not fun? fun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm glad. Yes, of course I am. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You guys are phenomenal. How could I not have fun? Yeah, the goal structure-wise is to have one main topic that takes up the bulk of the episode, and then an earlier portion that's just kind of open to whatever makes the most sense that week. Mm -hmm. You know, so talking about what's going on at Orange Nebula, community events. Derek's adorable face. Community Mm -hmm. questions. Derek's face. Industry that, questions. It needs a whole podcast episode in of itself. Yeah. Or season. But yeah. if we don't have anything going, if there's nothing <laughs> going on in Derek. the industry that we feel like we are really excited to talk about, or we, we're not going to force a mm-hmm. segment, you know, we're just going to talk about what we feel like we have to talk about. Okay. So I have a question for everyone as the main topic for today's episode. Ooh, okay. Okay. The overarching umbrella question is what are you afraid of? Okay. 
I want to start with, <laughs> let's say you are six, seven years old. What is the thing that you remember from your childhood that scared the crap out of you? Water. Why? Because it's deep and you can't see what's in it. And it's weird that we have all these like water sports and things that we do on water. Like, let's just all hang out on the precipice of death. It's super normal, right? Take all your, take your kids and just hang out over eternal damnation. Like, what are we thinking? That was literally one of the things, like, I'm afraid of that now, right? I am uh-huh. super so afraid water. of the water now. Really? Part of it stems from when I was a kid, I went out on a boat with my grandpa in, I think it's Crane Prairie, it's basically where they took a valley and chopped off all the top of the trees and then flooded it. The The trees come up about oh, five feet you below the surface nope, of the water. No, 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 And nope. so there's like hundreds of feet down of just trees and catches and brambles and <laughs> monsters. And if you fall in, it's like, of course, you're going to get your legs all caught on things and get pulled down. And that's terrifying. That's terrifying. terrifying. I, I wasn't scared of water, but my mom terrified me of the undertow. If you ever oh, go to yeah. the coast, oh, yeah. oh the, the undertow will suck, suck you, you under in. and you'll be dead in minutes. I hope to scare my minutes, children of the undertow. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, oh, gosh, you can't go in above your ankles on the on the, on the the coast because of the undertow. That's true on the Oregon coast, though. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a legit fear. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch old sci-fi channel on cable TV, the series Earth 2? Uh-oh. No. You know what I'm talking about? I heard of it. It's basically like a group of people who traveled in space, landed on a new planet. They call it Earth 2 and they've then colonized the it, right? got them. But there is, there is a lot of alien species on this planet, one of which is an alien species that can kind of like manifest out of the ground. And they're kind of stoic and quiet and bald. And <laughs> I looked at Derek when I said bald. I'm sorry, Derek. Hey, I, don't, I don't have the confidence to go full bald yet. I need to... I'm working to it. But those aliens that could manifest out of the ground, I wouldn't go to the bathroom just stand there alone <laughs> by myself in my own home till I was like nine because I was afraid going in the bathroom that those aliens would appear out of the ground. You can't see it, but every time she says appear, she's doing this real sharp vertical oh, movement with her arms. Yeah, so you know they exactly how they move. out of the ground. Tom's chair is making fart noises. Uh-huh. It's like very like drawn out like... <laughs> he can't get it to repeat, but whatever. We all know. Okay, what about you, Derek? I, no, I am 100% on board with the water thing. Amen. Deep water scares the holy living heck out of me. Really? Oh my goodness gracious. So there's actually a name for it. It's called Thalasphobia. Got it. Also, there's a subreddit on Reddit called R Dallasphobia. If you're already scared of something, don't embrace <laughs> it on Reddit. <laughs> I don't know why I'm there. Uh, Things under the surface of the water freak me out. Can you hack it? Like, if it's time to go out on a boat, can you just be normal and then have a yeah. panic attack later? If or? I'm on a boat, that's fine. But, like, if I'm in a kayak and I'm very close to the surface of that water, I start to get a little nervous. And it's especially bad for man-made objects let lurk under the like surface mm-hmm. like a sunken boat or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. there's an image online it's literally somebody's boat that had sank in really shallow water but it was maybe a foot or two below the surface so the light hits it yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. why is that scary 
It's ter- it's I don't, not scary I, at all to me. I know, I, me either. I'm I, like, I'm going to pull that boat and pull I, it out. And... I could not tell you why it's scary. I just know looking at that photo, it makes me feel very uneasy. I have a good relationship Like, you don't with have water. an explanation for it as to why you're scared. I, Do I don't you? know. I mean, I could come up with some, like, pseudo-psychology about the right. unknown nonsense, mm-hmm. but I really don't know what it is. It just freaks really me out. really bothers me. I mean, if you throw me in a boat or if we're, like, going kayaking or something, right. which I've never done, but sounds great. But, like, <laughs> going in a boat and or being near the water or being on on a dock or going fishing or crabbing or whatever, I can do it. Right. I yeah. feel like I'm fine while I'm out mm-hmm. here. But then when we get back to shore, I realize I am exhausted because I have been having this You've been subconscious high emotional battle the whole time. What about the other day when we all three went out and took a, a nap on the dock? That was fine. You weren't See, afraid? I'm, I'm and not, it's different I'm with not that neurotic about it, but yeah. So I go out to Vancouver Lake a lot. And Vancouver Lake is it's exactly that, a lake. And it gets a little dingy. Mm, from time mm-hmm. to time but if you go out there's a big island in the middle and so you can go all the way out to the island but there's a lot of grass and stuff because the water level goes up the water level mm-hmm. goes down and then what have you well if you're paddling through there sometimes your paddle will snag on some of this grass and you're right. like <laughs> and it's just you know a dead body or something yeah right? it just doesn't scare but me if i'm alone if i'm alone it's one thing if i'm with people it's not nearly as i was fine on the dock but if all three of us had jumped in the water that day mm-hmm. guarantee you i would have had a much harder time than was reasonable we're now 16 years old. We're in high school. We've matured. Oh, I, the, quite the a bit. water thing is something I definitely deal with today. I okay. Just want to put okay. That All right. Fine. <laughs> but there's a whole different set of fears that come into play when you're in high school and when you're an adolescent. So, what are some of the fears that we might have experienced during high school? Back at you. Turn it around. Okay. For me, I think when I was in high school, a lot of it had to do with what people thought about me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's just that level of brain maturation, but I wanted to be perceived a very specific way. And any time that something happened that was outside of that, that threatened that, it really scared me. So that image management, presentation management mm-hmm. caused a lot of fear and stress. I didn't want to be perceived any different than what mm. I wanted to be perceived as. Right. Yeah, yeah I think that's... I went like the Brill Deep brand name. Mm-hmm. Thing, you know, when I was coming up through middle school and high school, it was like um, American Eagle and Hollister and Abercrombie and that sort of stuff. And like brands were really big. Mm-hmm. And so I can completely relate to what you're saying about wanting to be perceived as like part of that group. Mm-hmm. And I look back at it now, I'm like, yeah, silly. But to add to that, though, mine was a lot of expectations because my grandmother was essentially the assistant superintendent of the school district. Mm. And so there was a lot of expectation on me to be this very well-behaved, very buttoned-up, high-achieving person. And so that was really difficult to try to go through. Yeah, they must have been disappointed. I know. And then I turned out to be an awful person. (laughs) But at least you're cute. But I'm cute. Uh You two got any? Nah, they were the cool kids in high school. I don't know. They were like, sup. So that's what the cool kids say. I was just girl crazy. I didn't look, I didn't. Oh yeah, girls yeah. scared me. Most of my friends were girls, but like relationships with girls was like, right. I think if I really get down to it, the thing that always gave me the most anxiety was not knowing or understanding some type of reference that everyone else was in on. Ah. So like if everyone mm-hmm. was talking about some band and I'd never heard of them or everyone's talking about some type of substance that I'd never heard of. Anytime someone, everyone was having some conversation that they were all in on and I had no clue what the heck they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I felt really like 
out of the crowd mm-hmm. and silly and sheltered and like embarrassed that I wasn't whatever it means to know all the things. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So almost all of us here were talking about other people. Yeah, I think that's a common that thread age. in high school probably. Uh-huh. It's very yeah. social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so as we fast forward to like right now, our adult lives, young adult for some of us. It's me. <laughs> this is the time when I like to think about, okay, we've gotten rid of a lot of our superficial fears by this point because we failed over and over again enough that we know that it's okay to fail and still keep going. Mm-hmm. So we've got kind of a new set of fears. Now I intentionally am not on things. <laughs> so glad I don't understand that reference. <laughs> I'll go first just to kind of set the tone. In my adult life, I think what I am most afraid of is not reaching my potential, right? Do you guys feel something like that too? Mm-hmm. Like you have some sort of vision of what you expect yourself to be. Exactly. And am I at the right place in my yes. life to achieve that? And it's like, oh my, I mean, you truly don't ever really know, but mm-hmm. you have this like thought about where you should be and it's never where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I special enough? You know, am I different mm-hmm. enough? Am I doing enough? You know, am I going to be the kind of person that I'm supposed to be? Am I taking all the right steps? Yes. Doing the right things, meeting the right people. Mm -hmm. And that, even talking about it a little bit kind of makes me, in my heart, like kind of nervous. I'm 100% on board with that fear. Why do we do that? Mine's a little different. Am I going to be able to do all the things I want to do before I die? Mm -hmm. And... Am I going to have something significant for my daughters and inspire them to pursue all the things and overcome their fears? I don't worry as much about myself anymore because I feel like I've attained a certain level of contentment is a good word and some confidence. And I've failed so many times that failure doesn't scare me anymore at all. In fact, sometimes I look forward to failing on purpose so that I can succeed. But I do think to myself... I am so filled with things that I want to do. How am I going to get them all done? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. It's like doing the right thing. I don't I don't spend time thinking about that mm-hmm. anymore. And it probably just could be because I'm a little older than you guys. Mm-hmm. It's much more how can I help pave a way for my daughters and just share with them that it's okay to fail. It's okay to be afraid and share all the things that I've learned and then make all the things that I want to make. And I'm not just talking about games and I'm I'm just talking about like, how can I impact a lot of people and how can I inspire other people to think bigger and to overcome whatever obstacles that they have? How much of that can I do in my lifetime now? Mm -hmm. And what other people think is a lot less of a factor. It's like, how can I do all this and still do it super well, execute at a high level? Yeah, there is concern about that. You know, how can I take care of myself to the point where I can actually have the machine running well enough to do all those things? Mm -hmm. Your body being said machine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes my mind, right? Mm -hmm. How can I rest and how can I be responsible enough so that I'm setting a really good example for the people around me? And share that with them, not not set an example because everybody kind of does things a little bit differently, but maybe share with them so that they have a really clear picture of what what's possible. I, I have two things. One's kind of a cheat because everyone feels this way, but it's definitely my biggest fear. So I'm just going to say it. You know, I'm a husband and a father and a son and a brother. And my number one fear is bad things happening to the people I love. Yeah. You know, it's there mm-hmm. nothing in the world could be worse than something happening to my wife or my kids or them suffering some pain, which obviously 
will happen, right? And then, and then just as a father, am I arming my kids with the tools that they need, with the life perspective that they need to survive in the world and in the culture and in what I think and value and help them decide for themselves the things that they think and value and set them up for that success. Am I being a good example to them? Yeah, you know, that hits me a lot. That's my number one fear. My, my other one that is more just specific to me, I guess, is with those people that I really love, my biggest thing that I wrestle with is the fear of being known for the mistakes I've made mm. to them instead of who I am inside. I'm a different person now than I was a couple years ago and a couple years before that. And I've made a lot of really big mistakes in my life that are really painful for people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my kids are still really young. It terrifies me to think if something happened to me, what would be remembered? Do my actions show people who I really am inside? Do the people that I love the most really know that Your part heart. of me? You know, mm-hmm. and they do, but that's the fear yeah. is mm-hmm. that I would be defined by my mistakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are because some of our mistakes are huge. Mm-hmm. You're not the worst thing you've ever done, but the world doesn't agree with that all the time, mm-hmm. you know, right. and that's part of the reason I think that Hamilton is so powerful. Because that is a universal story for people. You take these characters that you just know, like Aaron Burr, who's just like, oh, he shot Hamilton. That's who he is. Yeah. He made this mistake. That is a textured a person, and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's a silly example, maybe. But Hamilton's never a silly example. That's <laughs> very well illustrated. That's my fear as mm-hmm. someone who has made a lot of mistakes. Like, I feel like I'm in this constant uphill battle against those to put stuff on the other side of the scale. Mm-hmm. I have one last thing to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, is everybody said there? Yeah. Werewolves. <laughs> I'm genuinely afraid of werewolves and I understand that they may or may not be real. But, were, <laughs> but werewolves scare, like werewolves in movies? Can I tell you, that scene from werewolves American Werewolves do not werewolf. scare me at all. I'm good. I'm happy for you because you don't want to be living the fear that I'm living. Do you have any PTSD from your dog bite? No. Hmm, good. I think I know where my fear of werewolves comes from. I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper. Please do. Never-ending story. Oh, my gosh. There's the so more... many scary things in that movie. I can't believe children see the this movie. The more in the cave. In oh, the green my gosh. Eyes, I know. And his yeah. teeth. I know exactly what you're talking about. I haven't seen that it's movie in 20-something scarred years. Into but it's scarred in your brain. But I love dogs, so it's not like a oh. canine thing. It's just werewolves and, like... Evil wolves. You've mm-hmm. triggered me now because never any story. I grew up with a very unhealthy fear of quicksand. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I thought that quicksand was, was, like everywhere. was a thing that you were going to encounter a lot in life. <laughs> it's not a problem. I, I, I will share the fear of quicksand with you. I yes. thought a lot about quicksand because, I mean, name all the movies in the 80s. Everyone's constantly being sucked into quicksand. I'm just going to start Brian. carrying yeah. a bullwhip like Indiana Jones <laughs> everywhere I go so I don't ever of, find myself in quicksand. All it's sorts of quicksand strategies that I had worked out and things I should have on me just in case quicksand. Okay, so my brain goes like this. Okay, as children, we were afraid of elements, outside elements, right? As teenagers, we were afraid of people, you know, what people are thinking yeah. of us. As we've graduated into adulthood, I think we're more uh, introspective. You know, we're afraid of things that we can actually control. And I think that's that's mm. good. Let's it, it was interesting that 
most of the things that we talked about from childhood and from high school were all very thematically similar. And yes. then as adults, radically different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're all still scared of never-ending story. <laughs> <laughs> all of humanity yes. united by a fear of never-ending story. I want to say I'm really enjoying this, guys. Thank you so much for coming in here together and kind of being a little bit more open and Airing vulnerable. Next, it, it was soon fun. Soon it'll just be lots of just full-on crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear us hugging each other. Okay. We're going to make it. So as always, um, we would love to have you come to orangenebula.com to sign up for our newsletter. We would love to see you in any of our Facebook groups, either the Vindication Board Game Group or the Outpost Community Group. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Orange Nebula, Board Game Geek as well, of course. And if you want to talk any more about this podcast, there will be an official post on Facebook for it, as well as the Orange Nebula community on Facebook. And us werewolf fearers can <laughs> unite together uh. and, and come over this. Okay, thank you all so much for joining us. We are so grateful for you. This would not, not be possible without you. We love you very much. We we adore each other. We're grateful for each other. I like Frankenstein. Let's get out of here. <laughs> From Orange Nebula, I like, we I like the will see you next time. Tell us more about werewolves. Where, why, why are you... We gotta like, wait. how long is this fear of werewolves? Uh, it's It pretty much just comes from never-ending story. That's really where it comes and from. And I know that it's not he's not a human, but he talks. Has it, like, manifested in life where, where your fear of werewolves has become a problem in, like, a social setting? No, or, no, no. It's just a silly, irrational thing that, like, legitimately does frighten me. Hmm. Because, what is it, like, American werewolf in Paris? Or is that London? London, yeah. In the the scene where he changes, boo! That's terrifying. Have you watched? Was it Teen Wolf? Was it Michael J. Fox? Teen Wolf. Come on! I I think you're. I think you're terrified of Teen Wolf. But it's like the grotesque, like Like all their bones breaking. Yeah. Oh, I just can't. There's all. There's um, (laughs) a. Did you watch the Vampire Diaries? No. Oh man. There's there's some gnarly werewolf transformations in that. And they come out of these boats that are overturned in the lake that are only a foot below the surface. Oh, I'm pushing. I'm pushing. I mean. (laughs) 